Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Consciouspreneur Podcast. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and I'm your host. And today it is my, my pleasure to be speaking with Patty Mariposa. She is the owner and operator of Mariposa Holistic, and that organization exists to empower heart-centered professionals and individuals experiencing stress and overwhelm through an integrated holistic system of transformational programs, support, self-care resources, so that you can continue to manifest your highest potential towards a happy and healthy, balanced life as you continue to be in service for the greater good. Patty, it's almost as if you wrote that mission specifically for conscious entrepreneurs. (laughs) Well, yes, like attracts like, so that's why we're here. Thank you so much for having me here, Mary. Yes. Oh, this is fantastic. So as always, I want to hear a little bit about your story, about how you came into becoming an integrated therapist um, slash provider. Um, I'm, I'm always curious about that path. And then I want to talk more about the specifics about what you do. So let's start with your journey. Where did this start? Yeah. So I would say, I mean, since I was a little kid, I always enjoyed helping others. I always looked for volunteer opportunities. Being a service always made sense. Now it was interesting in career fairs. I never saw somebody like me, like a therapist or a counselor. Um, However, I did get to experience a social worker when I was in middle school, about 12 years old. I was placed for the first time ever. I've always been a private school kid, but I was placed in public school. I went from a small cohort of like My grade, when I was leaving sixth grade, uh, I had like maybe 20 students in my classroom to over 30. And I can't even tell you how many kids were in the actual school. So it was a big shock to my system. Um, I also realized that there was a lot of undercurrent of racism um, that I didn't know in my family. And so then here I'm in a public school in Miami there's every ethnicity there, every color skin. I was like, I was scared because that's how I was raised. And so I met this beautiful social worker just because I was really struggling in school. I was really sad. I was like, I need to go talk to somebody. And she was very, very helpful. And so that just stayed in my mind. But it wasn't until I took a career aptitude um, in uh, during college, the first two years, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I I still, by that point, had no idea. I kept switching from being a veterinarian to a firefighter to an accountant. I like so many, I think I even wanted to be a clown. I was like, let's just see what happens. Like an actress, like so many different things. And then I took the career aptitude and they're like, yep, you can either be a teacher or a therapist. I was like, I don't want to teach people. I can listen to people. Okay, let's go with therapy as a therapist. And so I I chose social work 
because as a social worker, I can work with either communities or I can work with individuals or I can work in groups. I can work with agencies. And I love that because I like change. And so I fell into that. And for the last 20 years, I've been a social worker in so many different fields, working in communities and agencies. And now I'm in private practice and I love it because I get to work with people um, all over the world, Um, working with them individually, um, in groups. I I do teach a lot on self-care, burnout, compassion, fatigue, and helping people to identify what is going on in their mind, what's okay, when, when do we start becoming worried about what's not okay, and also connecting people to their bodies, which if you've experienced trauma in any way, being disconnected from your body is actually a symptom. Right. That makes sense. It does. Actually, just this morning, I'm reading uh, Metahuman by Deepak Chopra, and he was talking about this very concept about not being, we're not in our bodies. And his first exercise uh, was all about getting reconnected with our our meat suit. (laughs) That's my words, not his. But, but yeah, so to, to even re- recognize that it's here, that, you know, that my butt is sitting on this chair and my feet are, are, you know, crossed at the ankles and, and just being aware of that. Cause all of that is happening. Thankfully, all of that can happen without our direct attention. But so tell me a little bit about what happens when we disconnect from our physical bodies. Well, in essence, we become almost like zombies. We're just on constant autopilot. We're not feeling the sensations as we move throughout the day. Um, And so you become more of like, what's the next thing to do? Rather than kind of like, like you said, sitting in the chair. Are you comfortable in the chair adjusting? Like, do you ever find yourself, and this is great for anyone, Wherever you're sitting right now, just noticing what kind of chair are you sitting in? Are does it swivel? Does it is it stationary? Is it comfortable? Um, are do you feel relaxed in it? Um, does it squeak? Right. So when you're bringing mindfulness into your daily life, you're more attuned to the five senses and you're living as a human being rather than just living to move or to, to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's so much in there, the whole doing versus being thing, right? We're, we're so conditioned to be doing, 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 which I think also is another way that we separate from our, our physical experience. Because the other thing that came to my mind as you were describing that is when I'm paying attention to my chair and how comfortable I am in my chair and, and how my body is, is interacting with this chair, I'm not worried about what's coming up. I'm not thinking about what happened before. I'm literally in the moment. And that's what they, you know, all the gurus tell us is the all we have is now. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. The majority, I mean, really all of my clients, that's something that we're always working on is really more about self-regulation than about their past. Because if you're not able, and when I say self-regulation, it's about learning to control how you react when stressful situations come at you. And that could be anything. That could be, let's say, your cat just knocked over your favorite something. And then you're like, oh my God, right? Like, it's okay to get mad and upset. But when you start becoming aggressive towards the cat who had no idea what it did, it probably scared the pieces out of the cat. It just fell and then it went running. And if you go and attack the cat, you're not self-regulating. You're letting your emotions control the situation. And so many of us live in that emotional state of being reactive instead of attentive. And so when we're less reactive and it's kind of like the moment an emotion comes up, it's connecting that where in your body is that emotion? How is it showing up? What are you feeling? And once I, again, I also work with a lot of people with anger, you know, they say anger management, but yeah, it is managing your anger. One identifying the first moment where in your body you start feeling it. And they're like, I don't know. I'm just mad. I was like, "Eh, let's break that down a little bit more. And then they start noticing, wow, my hands turn into fists. I feel the blood rushing up. It's coming up from my toes up to my to my abdomen. And they are just like, holy smokes, I never recognized this before. But it happens all the time. The moment they can start then identifying, oh, wow, my fists are starting to close. Oh, hold on. Boom. Start shifting out of it. Think of something else. Go for a walk. Go into the bathroom. Go stick your head in the fridge. Whatever it is, pull <laughs> off, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, along those lines, um, in fact, I just had an experience. Actually, I, I would like to talk about you and I had, um, uh, we, we shared some uh, services. And Patty, one of the things you did for me was the uh, theta healing, right? And um, I was aware of some things that were coming up after that. And there were a couple of days that were a little rough, right? There in in. What was coming up for me was, it, I think, the the emotional and the energy of the beliefs that we change, that we shift. And so, so the belief had shifted, but yet my energy and my body was still with the old stuff. And so the old stuff was purging itself out. And I just, I could, rem- I, I, the experience for me was that I was in my body and it felt like what it felt like maybe like when I was in my 20s where I really didn't even want to be in my own skin. And so it was this this experience of observing like, oh, this is awful. Oh, I do not like this experience at all. I remember what this felt like. And then giving myself permission to feel that emotion. Because, you know, what I want to do is just shut it down. This is horrible. I, I, I don't want this experience. But I chose to stay with it and let all of that emotional soup come up 
experience it and let it out. It, it did. It took me a couple of days, but then the the third day <laughs> sounds a little biblical right here. <laughs> On the third day, it was it was cleared. Uh, I was more now in a I, like I had ditched that old energy, and now I'm in this clearer space um, where now I have a lot more opportunities. So I love that you know, bring attention to your body, um, and then. Either if you can't in the moment um, shift or allow the energy to come up, then, you know, do all, all, all the things that you suggested. But if you can, let that emotional energy just come up and flow through you. I promise you it will leave. Yes. Yeah. And you brought up a really good point about how you recognize a lot of this old stuff was connected to your 20-year-old self. And the thing is, as humans, we're the only ones that created time. So we think, okay, I'm in my 40s. This is my 20-year-old self, or this is my five-year-old self, or my inner child, all that. To be honest, the brain does not have any idea about time. So if you were impacted, let's say, just going back to the cat example, super simple. The cat broke something that was favorite of yours. That may trigger a memory when you were, let's say, seven years old and somebody or another cat broke something that was really sacred to you and you felt violated. You were torn apart. So guess what? Your brain is like, ooh, let's connect the current memory to the past memory. And guess what? Your body feels the exact same thing which is coming up with anger and sadness and frustration. So there is no time dis, uh, difference. It's energy. It's all the same. So every experience that you've experienced since you first were, I wouldn't even say born, but, you know, um, in, in the womb, the moment you're in the womb, you started experiencing life from the inside and then it started getting heavier once you got on the outside because you didn't have that big womb to protect you and be like, I'm hungry now. <laughs> and we just like drink yeah. from this like right. yummy water that's all around me. Now it's like, oh, I'm hungry. Okay, who can I reach out to? And if in your first seven years of life, anything traumatic happened to you and trauma can be defined as how you react to a stressor and aren't able to get yourself out of that fight or flight response, then it becomes energetic stuff that stays trapped in your body so that it becomes protective, which is why we disconnect because the body becomes so overwhelmed with those emotions and that energy that it's like, I can't deal with this anymore. So it shuts down. And so many people with trauma do not remember the story or what happened to them, but they do remember a feeling. And many of them say that they feel disconnected. Like if something happy happens to them, they're like, eh, it's like a moment. But then the body's like, it, it doesn't matter. It's not going to last long. Like we're just waiting for the next screw up thing to happen. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I, that last bit about 
we're just waiting for the next bad thing to happen. We're, we're just always walking around, um, literally, literally waiting for the next attack, right? Um, we're always on guard. And I think that's one of the things that I really, when I first moved into this transformational space, I think that was one of the first concepts that I really had to wrap my head around is that the patterns that I have, you know, we, we hear these things like, you know, everybody's doing the best they can with what they've got. And sometimes that kind of sounds like a platitude um, because, you know, from the outside looking in, it's like, no, they're not doing the best they can. Right. But from the inside, from our own experiences, we are doing the best we can because if we did have one of those, a traumatic experience, However, whatever, however that showed up for you, your body is now defending yourself against having that experience again, right? And it shuts out all of everything. It shuts out all the good stuff and the whatever would be perceived as the bad stuff. And I think that's where we feel lifeless and stuck. That's where I, in the twenties, I felt lifeless mm-hmm. and stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so I mentioned for the first 20 years, not first 20, but for 20 years of my life, I was in social work. I was very much aware. And the beautiful thing I find that's the difference between um, social work and therapy or psychotherapy or let's say mental health counselors is that as social workers, we really look at the whole picture, the holistic care, right? The relationships, where is the person living? Are there any um, dangers around where they're living? Let's say, are they living next to a dump? Are they living next to like a sewage treatment center? Right? Are they living near a fire uh, or like there's burning fires? Um, are they living in a community that's safe? Like even in their own home, are they free of domestic violence? Um, you know, are do they have drugs in their lives, either themselves or their parents? So we look at so many different factors. Um, even I ask some of my clients when they first start with me, it's like, when was the last time you had a wellness check? Right? Physical checkup to make sure are all your, your vitamins um, and minerals are good. Because some people actually their mental health challenges are caused by deficiency in iron or deficiency in B vitamins, once they start taking that, they're fine again, right? But we always have to rule things out. But my my direction shifted from to include energy work into social work when my sister is diagnosed with cancer. And just like everybody, that was my trauma. Um, I honestly just did not know what it was at that time or understood really what it was like. And she chose alternative care. Um, What that means is she really wanted to understand what her body was telling her. So she's the one that introduced me to the chakras and sound healing and, and raw food and juicing. So many different things I was like, Okay, we did not learn about this in social work in any way. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Energy works, you know. And so I started, I, that's when I learned Reiki and again, more about the chakras. And I noticed that when I started bringing in the chakras and the uh, psychological development, I noticed that, for example, the root chakra, which is like your legs and your knees, um, 
that's very much connected also to the first seven years of your life. So if you're, think of your, your root, your legs as your roots, if your roots or your foundation is not stable, like you're constantly worried about money, you're constantly unsure about the next meal that you're going to eat, right? These are basic needs. If they're not met, you're going to constantly be on shaky ground. That happened the first seven years of your life. For sure, that's going to be repeated throughout the rest of your life until kind of like that theta healing that we worked on are what are those unconscious beliefs happening in the mind? What and, and we can see the actions to be like, oh, why am I doing this over and over again? There's got to be an unconscious belief. How can I pull it? And there's so many ways to do it. I've just found theta healing and Reiki to be my go-to releasing those unconscious beliefs um, because they're fun and I can just do them very simple. (laughs) And no matter where I am, I do it in English and I do it in Spanish. And for me, ease is grace. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things that I want to dig into with you today here is on this idea of post-traumatic growth, because we often hear about post-traumatic stress and um, I'd like to start with, again, we've, we've touched on this already. What is trauma? Because I, I'll, myself, I don't think I ever even imagined that I had experienced trauma. Um, that was something that would happen to war veterans or, or someone who did get a cancer diagnosis or a car accident or, or something that, you know, I think of it as trauma with a big T. But, um, I've come since come to understand that I believe that we all experience trauma because I believe that when we're in our developmental stage from that zero to seven, there's always going to be something that we didn't feel equipped to handle. We're zero to seven years old. Of course, that's going to happen. And when that happens, and again, as you were saying, we, we come to conclusions about ourselves. I'm, I wasn't adequate in this situation. So there's some core beliefs of I'm not enough. I'm not safe enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm whatever I needed to be in the situation. And then I believe we also unconsciously create a behavior pattern that I will use so that I never have to experience this again. Correct. Correct. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about um, uh, our experience of trauma. Like we know the big trauma, but tell me about the, maybe I'm looking for, how um, how common is the experience of trauma? Yeah, so there's a really good self-assessment people can take. Um, I mean, they can look it up called ACEs, which is um, now the, the specific, but it's basically oh, the adverse childhood um, effects. And so this is a scale that was developed um, to identify what happened to you as a child? What were you witnessing? What did you encounter? Like, did you see um, a lot of uh, challenges in your home? Like, for example, your parents fighting or being loud, or did you ever feel that you were less than on a constant basis? Depending on how many um, yeses per se you you get, the higher the score, the more trauma focus that we have to take care of. 
right? And so what that means is a lot of our trauma happens in childhood. Not saying all of it, but a lot of it. So trauma, everybody, like you says, does go through trauma in one way or another. Um, But trauma can be experienced firsthand or we see it. So experience firsthand, and I'll go to domestic violence. This is what um, I work a lot with also is domestic violence. And a lot of education that domestic violence is not just physical. So let's say if your partner is constantly telling you you're, you're less than, your food sucks, you don't know how to clean, you're good for nothing, that's domestic violence. And if you're hearing that over and over and over, you're being traumatized on a constant basis. And if your children are listening in on this, they can feel traumatized um, if they're knowing and they feel that this is hurting their mom or their dad because you know, there's no one way about it. <clears throat> and so they can know that, say, again, when the, the abuser comes in, they can tell the children can tell right away. Oh, dad's in a good mood because of the way he walks. Dad is scary because he might be like pressing down his shoes a little bit more than normal or slamming the door. So the kids learn, got to run gotta hide, you know, because they've learned these things. So trauma, again, when we experience it, it's, it's about how often does it stay perpetrating in our minds and in our lives. And so then that's where it starts going into chronic or complex trauma, where we experience trauma over and over and over again. Give another example. Um, I work, I work with, again, with trauma victims. I have one client who she, when she was six years old, she's now about 18, 19. She was unfortunately sexually violated by her older brother, but she had no idea. She didn't remember any of this until about 18. She started getting flashbacks and she was like, oh my goodness. And so that's when she started to work with me. We started processing it. She finally told her parents and her parents in a way are still re-traumatizing her because, for example, even though they know and it's now out in the open, recently they're on a family vacation and she was expected and had to sleep in the same bed as the brother who abused her. And so, and now she's also being expected to have communication with him on a constant basis because they've always been very good friends until the truth came out. And now she's more distant, but the parents are like, well, we don't care. Right. In essence, go take care of your brother. And she's like, but I don't like being near him a lot because it's scary and it re-triggers her. So that's how things can happen where she can be re-traumatized. So again, we're working on, again, that self-regulation, being, staying within her body, um, connecting. So when people experience trauma, I'll give you another example. Um, Let's say at five years old, you were bitten by a dog 
And there's a huge difference if you're going to be scared of dogs or you're going to be like, this is an accident. So it depends also on how the parents or other adults react. If an adult is like, oh my gosh, what a horrible dog, bad dog, go, right? And reacts with anger, it's going to scare the child. And the child is going to stay in the trauma, not so much of the dog bite, but of how scared it made a parent. Another version is same scenario, dog bites a child. And the parents come in and just like take the dog away and be like, okay, dog, we're going to place you somewhere else. Child, are you okay? Right? What hurts? Yeah, that dog, yeah, it got scared. It's okay. You know, sometimes when we get scared, we attack it. The dog didn't mean to hurt you. Um, it was an accident. And so now the child still experienced a trauma, but is not going to be long-term affected by it because of how resilient and supportive the family was. Does that, yeah. can, does that help to notice the difference of trauma? Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that I hear in that, the, the two stories is how, what meaning was made of the situation. Now we end up doing that for ourselves. And even as a child, I believe we're doing that for ourselves, but also as a child, we're looking to see what our caretakers are, are making out of, out of the situation. And we're going to believe whatever they believe. So if that child at first was more stunned than anything with, with the dog bite, they may not have made meaning of it yet, kind of in that split second waiting to see what mom or dad or grandma or grandpa was was going to make of it. And right, we see this when kids fall down, right? And they they scratch their knee and they look around to see if anyone else noticed. And if they did, then they cry. And if no one else noticed, then I guess I'll just move on. It doesn't mean anything. They're like, Ugh, fine, not getting any attention. Let's go. <laughs> right. And and yeah. that's Really it, right? So whenever we experience trauma, our bodies go into that stress response. And there's four different ways of stress response. The three main ones um, are freeze, like when you're frozen in time, like space and time, kind of like you said, that stunned response. Or there's the fight response where you become aggressive, either physically, like hurting someone or going and removing that dog from that child um, or yelling like bad dog. What's wrong with you? That's aggressive. The third one is flight. When you run away from the problem, let's say another child witnessed it freaked out was like I don't know what to do and just like go went and hid under the bed right or um or it could take flight but go and find a parent right and just say let me go find another way to help the situation I can't protect from the dog but I can go get help and that's another way that flight can take in where you're running away from the problem, but also going to go get help. Um, And again, what happens is how soon can we get that stress response calmed down? Which is again, um, if we allow the emotions, which is energy and motion to just kind of be like, okay, you're, you're angry. Yep. It's okay to be angry. And then eventually over time, 
child's going to start like relaxing and be calm and eventually make a story out of it. Be like, look at these little dog bites. It looks like a heart. Boom. That trauma is gone. Like now they're going to remember the dog bite, not as something scary and dangerous, but something that unfortunately happens because a dog got scared. So now that child is going to be more cautious with the dog, but not scared of the dog. Right. Well, that is a fabulous experience or example, because I think a lot of times when um, we've had this experience of trauma, there's that sense I can't let go of this emotional energy because it is literally protecting me. Like, I mean, I don't know what what your your idea is about this, but I believe that unconsciously we're hanging on to that energy as our protective system, and so to let it go seems very counterintuitive. Um, and yet, that's also it's also possible to get there. Right. It is possible to, I can remember how horrible this was. I can remember this terrible situation without all of that emotional energy around it. So now it is a story and it, probably a story of triumph at this point. Um, rather than it being a story of something that's holding me down, how we've talked a little bit about making that shift. Is that where we're making that shift into post traumatic growth? Yeah. So post traumatic growth is really the concept of bringing hope that there's hope for a future, a hope out of this pain. Uh, There's trust. Uh, When we go through a traumatic experience, trust is broken in so many different ways, either the person who attacked the situation or we lose trust even within ourselves. So it's important to regain that hope and that trust um, and the belief that it's going to be okay. And then bringing in various tools. Working with trauma is very delicate. At any moment, somebody can get triggered. And that is what makes it really difficult for many people to understand trauma. Like when I, um, they actually have done studies that show that a person who's experienced trauma is very, is very aligned with somebody who's experienced brain injury. So trauma is a brain injury because once you experience this trauma, it goes into a shock of the system. And so the brain is just part of it shuts down because it doesn't want to feel that again, or it was so much it's done. So post-traumatic growth is learning to accept the trauma that happened, the situation that happened, learning to, um, and, and we need, you know, we do need help with this. Um, doing this by ourselves is really challenging. It can be done, but it really means facing a lot of the feelings, not just the stories, but the feelings like you did that come up. And that was what you did is you leaned into the feelings. You're like, I'm not, not paying attention to the story. It's like, what are the yucky feelings coming up? Letting them come up. Feel the feelings and then your body in like detoxifies it, lets it go from years and years. But again, the body doesn't do years. It just does energy. And then you start feeling clearer and better. Um, Tools for post-traumatic growth um, are various. And you you definitely need that toolbox. Um, In therapy, we use 
uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is basically helping understand the stories that are going on in your head. So if you're noticing, you're repeating to yourself, the world is scary. Dogs are scary. I don't know how to survive. Nothing is getting better. That's the story somehow you've created or you've heard. And so we work on shifting that belief to one that you can actually accept and believe in and feel it, feel that you believe it. So, I mean, that's what we say a lot with affirmations. People are like, oh, I am awesome. I'm like, do you feel it? They're like, no. Okay, let's find, let's break it down then and find something that you're like, I am okay. Do you feel okay? Yeah, I feel okay. Okay, let's keep working on that one. Keep using that over and over. Um, other tools could be, again, theta healing, uh, Reiki, that's more alternative. Um, acupuncture is really good to move the energies. Um, meditations, yoga, there's actually trauma-specific yoga. I definitely encourage that because somebody who's teaching trauma-specific Yoga is aware of what can happen because since the energy is stored in the body, you can make a certain move and it's going to unlock that trauma. And it's like all of a sudden you feel like crying and laughing or or being angry. You're like, wait, where is this coming from? And it was because you like popped a traumatic memory and your body's just like, well, let's release it. And you're like, no, no, no. And most people use stay disassociated through substances, drinking, smoking, um, avoiding the feelings until and post-traumatic growth is saying, yep, I've been through this situation. It sucked. Not fun. Yet this is why I'm grateful for it why I'm um, appreciative and what I learned through this situation. Not saying that you're happy you went through it, but a lot of clients that I've been through or worked with who have gone through like cancer or trauma, I know they're moving towards post-traumatic growth when they can say, you know, that was really difficult and I'm grateful for the experience because I learned this I got rid of this relationship. I did this and this and this. It's like, great. And that's growth. That's that saying of victim. Whoa, this happened to me of, okay, this happened um, to me, um, but it doesn't negatively impact the rest of my life. Right. It's not how I'm going to define myself from here on out. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where like, it's really much of a struggle because so many people are like, Oh, I have PTSD. I have PTSD. Well, guess what? You are then placing this label upon like, you are now a person with PTSD, right? It's I, or a better way. It's like, I am a person that has lived through a traumatic situation these are the symptoms I'm I'm working through, and this is what I'm doing about it. That again is post-traumatic growth, moving towards the future by staying in the present and taking the past as a form of education, like life um, street learning per se, and looking at it as that instead of 
the past defines me. I am who I am because of my past and I have no way to grow. Right. You know, one of the things that you touched on there was the idea that I'm somehow grateful for this very challenging situations. And I've worked with lots of people who in the beginning of our conversations, almost, (laughs) almost, uh, let me know, like put me on notice, like don't tell me that I have to be grateful for this, right? Yeah. And, and I totally get it because they're still in that space where they are defining themselves by this trauma and um, how they've limited themselves according to this experience. Um, so to be grateful for that when that's your point of view makes no sense at all. But when when we also assume responsibility for our experiences, yes, this happened to me, but now what experience do I, who do I want to be moving forward? And am I willing to take responsibility for that? Um, then we move into that space where it's possible to maybe look back and say, I've grown from this. This is what I got out of this experience. You know, and and do whatever other kind of reframing you want to do. Like, would you have learned those lessons if you didn't have that experience? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't have. But again, I think it's that whole point of I can accept what has happened to me because now I'm in a position where I have the resources that I don't need all of these protections around me that I once did. Correct. Correct. And that's all moving towards post-traumatic growth that you are shifting again being the victim, this is a problem, to I am learning to be resilient. I am, I I can triumph. And, you know, if anything else happens, that's okay. I have the tools to handle it. May perhaps go back into counseling or have this support group or, you know, if, if medication calls for whatever that looks like, that's has helped you in the past, then let's see if it's going to keep helping you. And just knowing and keeping active the tools. Um, A lot of times I, like, again, I teach Reiki and some people are super excited. Like, yay, I learned Reiki. Awesome. They feel like I felt the energy. It works. And I check in with them like three months later. I'm like, so how's the Reiki going? well, life got busy and I forgot. And then they start complaining, oh, I got pain or um, I can't sleep at night. I'm like, have you tried Reiki? (gasps) No, right? So again, it's like we amass so many tools, like how many courses have you taken? How many therapists have you worked with? Like all of the coaches that you've worked with, but if you don't put into practice and keep it a daily practice or consistent practice, then your body's going to go back into safe mode, which is the bare minimum of like constantly in survival of like, okay, life is going to crash down on me any moment. Now the world is going to crap. Yep. Life sucks. Yep. That's because you're not practicing that post-traumatic growth of moving past the challenge um, by embracing the gifts that are coming out of it and the awareness that's coming out of it. Yeah. It, 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 it's not easy. And I, and I would never minimize the challenge um, that this would bring. And yet uh, the benefits blow your mind. 
will blow your mind. I mean, I, you know, hearing me talk about how I felt at 20 and how limited I felt and how disempowered I felt. And to, to feel that again at this age, after I've been through a whole lot of, uh, transfer, transformational work, um, it, I appreciated it as it was almost like, uh, you know, we can look back, but this wasn't just a look back. This was a feeling back. This was literally dropping me back into that experience. And I, from an observational point of view, because I could have gotten caught up in that story, right? I could have said, oh my gosh, this is, this is who I am. This is how I've always been. This is how I'll always be. And I'll never really shake this off, right? I could have said that. And that would have been true. But instead, I, I chose to make the meaning out of it as, okay, this is my body just letting go of all of the energy that came with those beliefs and that, in fact, held those beliefs in place. Um, so, Mary, you can relax into this. You can observe this. Look at how you felt at that time in, in your life and look where you are now. I love looking back. <laughs> There's just, just something about being able to see where you've been and where you are now that just gives you those resources to keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's the key when you can look at your past, not as something scary, but look at your past as like, okay, I'm glad I went through that. I'm, I'm appreciative. It's gratitude is difficult to say that's fine, but being appreciative of the opportunity and the growth. And again, a lot of times when we grow, we start cutting off relationships, situations, and events that are stunting our growth. That I have noticed is the hardest thing because then we tie guilt and shame. Well, if I let this person go, or let's say if your parent um, or caregiver is the abuser and you want to minimize the amount of time spent with them now as an adult, you might feel guilty and shame because society is like, no, 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 you have to be okay with your caregiver and, and um, parent. So again, that's those are beliefs that I work with with my clients and say, what is safe for you? How does it feel safe for you? And they're like, when I talk to them like once a week, I'm like, okay. And again, we process that by asking a lot of questions because kind of like what you're doing, that self-talk is so imperative. If you tell yourself, oh, Mary, here you go again. Oh, you put yourself back into that issue. Same issue, different perspective or situation. Or like you said, like, okay, Mary, um, here's this experience happening again. Is there a time that this has happened? What did you do before? Can you apply it to this situation? And what I recommend to, to all of us um, is talk it outside, talk, talk it out loud to yourself. So if you're struggling with something, don't keep it in your head. Talk it out loud. That's what we do in therapy. Just talk it out. Most of the time, my clients figure it out on their own. We just have to, get, we just provide that space of non judgment so that they can bring it out. Yeah. And some of my clients are like, I can talk to myself. I'm like, you can talk out loud to yourself. It's okay. <laughs> you know, right. but again, there's this guilt and shame. Am I going to be crazy or look crazy if I talk out loud to myself? I'm like, no, you're helping your brain process. 
because in your brain, there are 30,000 thoughts every single day wanting your attention. And you only focus on 5% of that, which is the redundant thoughts that we keep bringing back up. Exactly. Yeah, we are. Again, it's that that, uh, behavioral system that there is there to protect us. So we keep telling ourselves the same things over and over again to stay in our safe, little, comfortable bubble. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Well, I love having this conversation because, again, I think that trauma is more pervasive than what we think that it is. Uh, we all, I believe, carry forth some limiting beliefs from our early childhood experiences and, and the behavior patterns that uh, seemed uh, the best that we could do at the time, right? It's just now that we keep repeating them. So a behavior pattern that made sense for me when I was eight years old doesn't make as much sense for me when I'm 52 years old, right? Um so I, again, I want the listeners to recognize that, that it is more pervasive. And if you do have these repeating patterns, then it is something that is unconscious for you. And as you, uh, Patty had said earlier, I think that the best way of getting through that is by talking with somebody. I, I've witnessed, I've experienced both personally and as an observer, um, cause I use hypnosis is one of my favorite tools. And what I've noticed is that for myself, I'll, I'll just keep it from my perspective, is that when I'm doing it by myself, I can get a lot. I can let go of a lot. But when I have somebody present with me, even if they don't have to do anything, because I know the process, I can guide myself through the process. But if they're, I know that they're there witnessing this for me, I don't even know how to explain it. It's kind of like, I've got a safe space now. And... It's almost like, can I not create that space for myself? I I think there's a limitation, right? Just like with the trainer, right? If I'm going to go to the gym, you know, I can do a few push-ups, and as soon as it gets hard, I'm probably going to let myself off the hook. But if I got a, a trainer standing there, no, Mary, do it again, do it again, do it again. That's what that person, that witness is doing for me when I'm in that space. So I do stay in that space longer. I go deeper and have a bigger um, experience. So yes, I do think that there's something about a witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I recently started um, a WhatsApp group and uh, we meet once a month. with essential workers and essential workers are those who are frontline workers, the nurses, the doctors, the therapists, the teachers who are always in the battlefield taking care of other people. And then when it's time to take care of themselves, they're like fish out of water. They're like, well, self-care? Like who has time for self-care? I don't have time for self-care. Okay. Well, let's work on that. And then just boundaries and certain things that they can easily teach their clients. But again, it's like, wait, am I mirroring that? And so in our group, we talk about these different things that come up and just being heard like, oh, I just went through that too. Oh, wow. So this isn't just me. Right. And so peer groups can be just as effective um, as maybe one-on-one therapy, as long as there is that supportive um, or even coaching, right? As long as there's, like you said, someone else who can hear you and validate you, um, that just goes back to our psyche because we are community people, creatures. We, we need community to feel 
a lot of the feelings that we do. Yes. Can we like be our own personal cheerleaders? Of course. Fine. But when somebody else is cheering us on, it just brings us up even higher. It's like, yay. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. Um, and I love it that you tied back into that our, we are innately uh, designed to connect connect with other people. Um, and you're right. I think that it definitely applies here as well, where we're, we are here for one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Patty, I could talk about this with you all day long, but... <laughs> I have so much enjoyed what we've talked about today. It's really important content. Um, again, it's it's not for somebody else. It's for each one of us as the listener in this conversation, um, because we've all had these experiences. And if it's holding you back, there are resources available. You know, and and sometimes too, one of the things I've noticed is that we can recognize when somebody else is is needing help before we recognize that we need help. So if that's where you are as a listener, you recognize somebody else, give connect them with one of us. We're, we're resources. Um, but then also just ask yourself, what what are you trying to create that you haven't been able to create and what's really getting in the way? Because it's probably not what you're doing. It's probably not that you don't have the right website or the right lead gen those probably aren't the biggest problems. I have found that our biggest obstacles lie within our own belief systems. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Mary, as always a pleasure and to all the listeners, um, thank you so much for being here and, and listening all the way through and supporting Mary and the consciouspreneurs and uh, definitely reach out to one of us. If, if any of this was like, Oh, this makes sense, but I want more information please reach out. We're very um, supportive and ensuring that you transform to the best version of yourself. Absolutely. So Patty, tell the listeners then where they can find you. And we will have all of these links in the show notes, but for the uh, audio audio, uh, listeners, let's uh, spell that out for them. For sure. So the best resources just go to my website there. You can connect uh, to social media, send me a contact uh, form. <clears throat> that is uh, com, which mariposas, which means butterfly in Spanish, is M-A-R-I-P-O-S-A-S, holistic, H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C.com. Beautiful. And I am happy to announce I have just done a rebranding. My new website is bluebambooleadership.com. And you'll find all of my information on the website as well. So once again, Patty, thank you so much for sharing this uh, conversation uh, today. What, what you do for people is basically you give them their life back. And um, you've you've helped me. You gave me a little piece of my life back. And for that, I'm very appreciative for you. And I look forward to continued collaborations. Yes, me as well. All right. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast. We're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high-achieving, impact-focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction, all rolled up into a community-driven, inspirational launchpad. 
We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.